Hello, and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. share with you real quickly from the Word of God today. We're still in our series called Under Construction. It's coming right behind a series that I did dealing with coming out of an entire month in the face of the Lord in a sabbatical where I sought the Lord for 31, 30 days in His face, praying every day, fasting, seeking the Lord for the direction of Covenant Fellowship Church, for the direction of my family, for the direction of my home, for my own life. And I came out of there with a very better defined mission, vision, and values for this church. I spent some time preaching that mission, vision, and values. Our mission is that we're going to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone everywhere. It's very simple, but it comes from Mark chapter 16 as well as Matthew 28 and 19. That what we're supposed to do is go preach the gospel. That's our mission. We want people to know the good news of Jesus because he is everyone's answer. Can you say amen to that? And as we preach Jesus, we don't just want to give people philosophy or history. We want them to have an encounter with God. So what we're hoping that happens, what we're praying that happens, and hope in the Scripture isn't cross fingers. Hope is that which, which is an expectation because it's based on a promise. Faith is the execution of the promise being, being acted out in your life, but a promise In the word of God, when you have great hope in your heart, it's expectancy operating in faith for God's will and purpose to come to pass. And so our great hope is that people will have an encounter with God. Because we're going to be praying, we're going to be believing, we're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we just don't want to argue scripture with people because that's not what this is about. We're not going there to judge people and put people down. We're just there to say people need Jesus Christ. We want them to encounter God, experience his love, and know that they can serve in his kingdom. Can you say amen to that? Those are three three, uh, visionary statements that wherever we go, we want to see God manifest. If we go out in the park and hold a park gathering, we want to see God manifest. Whatever we do, we want to see the Lord show up and we want to help people to experience the love of God. But we don't want to just leave them like that. We want to bring them into the family so that they too can serve God. Because I believe some of the greatest gifts for the kingdom of God are still out in the world and we need to go after them. Amen? While we're going, we have, and what we, we heard from the Lord is these six major values. Major values. Number one, we're going to be word-centered. Amen? We're going to be spirit-led. Amen? We're going to be presence-driven. We're going to be family-valued. Amen? We're going to be family, because the, the family is an important thing. I believe that. And, and I just believe that God wants to do, we're going to be mission-engaged. That means that we're, we're, we're supposed to be involved. I, 
one of the most uncomfortable places will be is in this church uninvolved. Because you're going to hear all the time about working for the Lord. Because the hour is late and the day is far spent and the night is coming when no man will work. Your Lord said that himself. And so we're getting up on that time even more so in this day and hour. We're going to be mission engaged and we're going to be worship centered. Because this is all about Jesus. This is all about the Lord. And so my prayer is that you, you really grab hold of that. We give you different things that you could take home, stuff you can put in your car, so that you'll remember, if I attend this family, if this is part of my, my, my church expression, then in this family, these are the things that we value the highest. We want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and our mission, vision, and values. And in doing that, right behind that, the Lord has put this series on my heart called Under Construction. How are we to do this mission, vision, and values? And here's the passage of Scripture that is guiding us right now. And I want you to hear this. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. And you also. So the first verse is about Jesus. But then now you also as living stones. So Jesus is the cornerstone, but you're living stones together. And it's interesting that he called us living stones. Something that's solid yet dynamic. Something that is concrete yet has the ability to have synergy, to come together. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so God and you are building. And I showed you in 1 Corinthians from the words of the Apostle Paul that says we co-labor with God. We co-labor. That means my hands, your hands are an extension of his hands. That means that my mouth is a place where his heart should break forth in the language and yours as well. That my feet should run swiftly for the cause with which he has called us. That is what we're to do. That's, the hand, that's how the Lord works. The Holy Spirit is in you. You become, as a believer in God, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Ruach breath of God has been breathed back into you. I thought all these Ruach statements and I wore my Ruach shirt today so I felt like going. <laughs> Just flashing a few people. I probably shouldn't have said that that way. But the Ruach breath of God coming inside of us that, God, that we may then become those living stones that can be used of God to do the work that he wants to do here. Jesus anticipated it so much because he wanted to go away that the Holy Spirit would come inside of believers and then this work would not just be centralized in Jerusalem among a few people, but that it would go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So therefore, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. So when he goes away, he leaves. And then 10 days later, at a prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit is sent on the day of Pentecost. It fills 120 believers. Then all of a sudden, this dynamic synergy begins to happen. Jesus now is in heaven. He's filled 120. The fire and the power of God is up on them. And Peter begins to preach. And now 3,000 souls are saved. 
And as those 3,000, next thing you read about them, there's 5,000 souls. And then the Bible goes on to say, then an innumerable multitude, because this thing begins to cycle in the way that God had desired and wanted it to. And so the truth is, is that they, as God worked in them, so God wants to work in you. And you know what? You've got the same promise in that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead also dwells in you and gives life to your mortal body. That's what the Bible says. So this mortal body now has life. It's a living stone and God is building something and together God and me, God and you are constructing something. What are we constructing? It's called the kingdom of God upon the earth. It's called the family of God up on the earth. That's what we're doing. We're co-laboring with God. And God is leading this thing, but we're co-laboring with him. He's got everything that we need to be able to do the job. We began this first, the first message was called Build with God because we're laboring with the Lord. We're co-laboring with him. The second, the second message in this was Build with purpose. God has a plan. God has a plan. Everything works well inside of the plan. And God has it laid out. How many know somebody says, God has a plan for your life? He does have a plan for your life. But you have to co-labor to see it built. Amen? You've got to participate with God. He does have a plan for your life. It's not automatic. He just has the plan for it. You co-labor with him and you'll find out what God's purpose was for you in this world. Why you were born when you were born, the timing with which you were born, the parents that you have, the context with which you live in. All life means something. It, doesn't, it isn't this thing that has no meaning. I know the world is searching for the meaning of life, but you and I have it. It's called living for the glory of God by the plan of God that's working in our lives. And so you can have purpose. You can have meaning. You don't have to walk around in life thinking, what am I here for? Was I a mistake? Was I an oops? Was this this? No, 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 no. I have purpose. I'm a child of God, and there's a plan working, and I'm co-laboring with him, and he's showing me the way, and the scripture is shining the light on my path, and yours as well. He has a plan. The one that we did last week was that we build with faith. Now, that didn't come out quite like I thought it would, but, boy, it came out like the Lord wanted it to. I'm going to just tell you. Build with faith. It's going to take authentic faith and active faith. Authentic faith, that, that means that you really are a Christian, and active faith is that you can see it by the way I live my life. You can see it in the power of the Spirit that displays through my life today. This is the next thing that you need to have in order to make sure that we are fulfilling what God has called us to do here at Covenant Fellowship Church, and we're going to build with generosity. Build with generosity. I want to read some generous scriptures to you, and maybe this is going to come out like you've never heard it before, but I pray that it will be a blessing to you. Are you ready? Let's go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to take you through a few passages of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 11 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul. First off, do you know what your soul is? Your mind, will, and emotions. The generous soul. So let's go on and read some more about generosity. 2 Corinthians 9 Verses 10 and 11 in the NIV says, Now 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. Why am I enriched? So that I can be generous. And he says in every way. Enriched in every way. Every time we talk about generosity, we only put it in the framework of money. But God says generosity operates in every way, in every area of your life. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving. And so, if you're generous in every way, it results in somebody else's thanksgiving. You know, we're coming up on the Thanksgiving season, right? You want to make somebody thankful? Be generous to them. I'll give you some stuff. If we want this, if we want to breed a heart of thankfulness, and how many know that's extremely important in the scriptures? You know, the big fall in Romans chapter 1, where man becomes reprobate in his mind, where man becomes so away from God that God turns him over to that reprobate mind. If you ever read Romans chapter 1, they said, even though they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Isn't that interesting that thanksgiving or the lack thereof leads to degradation, but the abundance of thanksgiving leads to fruitfulness? That's an interesting concept to me. And the Bible tells, teaches us what to be thankful in. Does anybody know the answer to that? All, I heard it. All things. <laughs> Woo. So God is expecting a life of thankfulness. And how you get there is through the avenue of generosity. You want to know why you were willing to praise God at the level you were praising God this morning? If you were really praising God? Because you're thankful of who he is in your life and what he's done. Huh? Come on. At the basis of your praise was this thing called thankfulness. Man, if you thank God for saving you, man, if you thank God for rescuing you because I know where I was when he found me, huh? If you know where you were, if you know where you were just yesterday, if you know where you were last week and God stepped into the picture of your life through his generosity because he gave heaven's best to you, huh? Yeah. So now what's flowing out of that is thankfulness at the basis of my praise is a thankful heart for what God has done for me. Yes. Don't get quiet on me now. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So generosity begets generosity. Generosity begets overflow. And just so happens that in the context of finances, we see that as well in the scriptures. But we'll get to some things in just a few minutes. Think of generosity like this. That how many of you, anybody in this room that's an electrician? No? Anybody know? All right, we got a little, we got a little bit. Let me let me, you know how electric. Like, you don't care about how to be an electrician. You just want to be able to plug the tool up and it works. Plug the TV on and it comes on. Plug the phone up and it charges. You want to know, right? You want to know that. Somebody has to know how to get that to your house because it don't just fall out of the sky. Actually, it does. Take that back. 
take, take that back. Just don't stand near a tall tree. You might feel it. Anyway, uh, somebody that has to know how to generate it, capture, harness it, and move it to its desired destination. Somebody has to know how to operate with it in order to be able to get there. And one of the things to be able to get it from the supply to the demand takes something as simple as a wire, a copper wire, something that is conductive that can be plugged into one location and distributed to another location. In order to be successful in generosity, you got to be able to be plugged into the power source and plugged into the supply that needs it. You got to be able to know how to run the wire from heaven to humanity. And Jesus said, when you pray, you pray our Father which art in heaven, so you're reaching up, and in part of that prayer, let your kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's a connection between heaven and earth, and if you want to know the theological terminology in that, you know what it is called? Intercessor. Okay, all right, so I want to give you three primary, these are not all inclusive, but three primary areas of generosity that I feel like in order for us to be able to complete what God has for us and construct with the Lord what God's trying to do in this community, in this region, through this church, through this family of people, here's three primary things that I think you need to be able to grab hold of. Well, number one, if you're ready for this, we need to be generous with our time. Now listen, you say being generous with our time. Here's the truth. All of us have the same 24 hours in a day. Can you say amen to that? The difference between those who get blessed and create thankfulness is that they are generous with their time. There's other people that are selfish with their time. They use it for themselves. There's other folks who recognize that there is a purpose in life higher than me, and I want to use some of that time that God has blessed me with in order to be able to be generous. And that's why you have people serving. I'm thankful for the generous people that serve at this church. I'm going to tell you right now, we couldn't do it without generous people, people who understand that there is something God wants to do and they're willing to take the time. While everybody else is out partying, while I should probably say partying, while everybody else is out doing their things, there's a group of people who said, you know what, there's a calling God on my life, there's a call of God on my church, and God is speaking to me, and I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous before the Lord. There's some, there's some things in the way that you manage your time that you need to be very generous with in terms of prioritizing time. Now, when I use this first one, I don't mean to spend it upon yourself, but for the purpose of yourself. Here what it is. Here's what it is. You need to be generous with your time before God for yourself. You need more prayer than you think you do. You need to be more submitted to God than you think you do. You need to be more full of the Spirit of God than you think you do. You need to know more of His Word than you think you do. You need to experience His presence more than you think you do. And if you'll never get there unless you're willing to generously give God that time. If you're going to give it to sleep, if you're going to give it to entertainment, if you're going to give it to self-indulgence, 
then don't, then don't be upset if there's not propagational thanksgiving that comes from your life. You need to be able to spend time in the presence of the Lord. That may mean you get into bed earlier of the night and set your alarm a little bit sooner to spend time with Jesus. I got one amen, a couple head shakes, and everybody else is asleep. I don't mean to be ugly, and I'm not trying to be ugly. But what I am saying to you is God is doing something amazing, and you live in the last days, and God just announced to us through the Spirit of God, revival for this family. You can go and tell everybody you can that revival's breaking out at my church. I, I, I'm going to have to say this again. I don't know. Can I bar the back of somebody's hand real quick? No, I'm just kidding. That you can tell people that my church is in revival right now. And I know what you think of. We think of how it used to be. That we all blocked out a one-week time in our schedule so that we can all hopefully get together, get it all together, and have revival. The problem is, is that is visitational revival. I have never prayed for visitational revival. You know what I've prayed for? Habitational revival. That means that every time we come, whether it's on the calendar or not on the calendar, if we have to call a spontaneous prayer meeting, if we have to show up and have a business meeting, I want to see the manifested presence and the power of God. Listen to me. We had staff meeting on Tuesday night, and the power and the glory of God fell in our staff meeting. I know you, you, know, you, don't, you only expect to go to staff meeting and talk about logistics and what we're going to do next and what's God saying now and how we're going to pull it off. But in the middle of that, the Spirit of God began to move. But here's the truth, man. You have to understand that you've got to take care of that 24 hours you've been given. That space of time that you have been given, what are you going to do with it? And you say, there's a lot of demand on my life. Well, guess what? There is mine as well. Everybody has demand and everybody is busy. But you have to recognize that what God wants to do in your life, you're going to have to start being generous to God. We're generous to ourselves in certain ways in terms of our entertainment. We're generous to other people. Shucks, we're generous to our boss. We'll work overtime if he give us a little more money. Huh? I mean, if we can get a little mammon God going on, we can give him more time. What about the living God? What about the living God that gave you the thing that you could not buy with all the money in the world, your salvation, friend? I mean, what about him? I know how we think of God. We have been painted into the picture of thinking that God is so gracious that there is no responsibility to how we treat him. Because after all, God will forgive me. God will forgive me. Uh, should I tell this story? Because I don't want to sound like I'm. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell it. The guys will get it. Somebody will throw stones with me. And if you're in here and you have, uh, you're a PETA supporter, I'm going to hurt your feelings right now. Somebody don't know what PETA is. It's people eating tasty animals. I mean, it means something else. <laughs> but. but Yesterday, I tagged out in my deer hunting. Some of you guys know that. I posted it on Facebook. I love the outdoors. Whether you like it or not, you got a redneck for a pastor that loves the outdoors. It's all right. Jesus loves rednecks, and I'm thankful. But let me tell you something. Yesterday, I had something to happen that's never happened to me when I was bringing this deer out of the woods. 
I get halfway up the ridge. I'm stopped. I'm out of breath. I can't even hardly breathe. I'm about, about to die because there's the work side of it. And I, I, I killed a pretty hefty seven point. I, a, few, a few days later, I killed an eight point. That's tagged me out on this side of the Blue Ridge Mountains, Blue Ridge Parkway, actually. But I get up, and, it, and it's, a, it's a hefty seven point. But I'm standing there, and two bucks come around the hill, and one of them is a ten point, like huge. And I'm like, literally, I'm like, eh, eh. Nobody's around. Nobody's watching. But it's against the law. And he's looking. And because he's looking, there's some way that I want my heart to posture before him in a generous way. I don't want to just, would he forgive me if I shot it? Yeah, maybe the state of Virginia might not have, but, but, but he would have. But you understand, that's screwed up thinking that if all I see God as is somebody to pardon me always. Will he pardon me? Oh, yeah. But, but the Bible says you've got to lay aside the elementary things of repentance of dead works all the, all the time. You've got to move on to a place of maturity so that when you look at God, it's not I'm just looking at him for forgiveness again. I'm looking at him for glory. I'm looking at him for him to work in my life. I'm looking at him for the gifts of the Spirit in my life. Do I need to repent? Oh, yes, but it's not, that's not my motivation. That's not what I'm trying to place emphasis on a relationship with. I want to be generous to God with my time, with the way I take care of the things in my mind. Am I good at it? No, I want to get better at it. I want to grow in the Spirit. I want to get better at it if I can, and I believe the Lord will do it. You need to be, listen, listen, you need to be generous with your time for God, you and you and God, between you and God personally too, for your family. You need to be generous for your family. Why is it your boss gets all the overtime and the wife gets none, the husband gets none? We need to be generous for our family's sake. It creates thankfulness. God's building something, okay? He's building you as a lively stone. And he wants that effect to go out further in terms of your ministry. Your first ministry is between you and God. You've got to minister before the Lord as a priest. Remember, the priests ministered to the Lord before they ministered to the congregation. So it's got to be you. But then when you turn to the congregation, the first level of congregants is those in your home. So let me ask you, is your children thankful to be inside of your home? If they are, it's an indicator that you probably are generous with your time to them. That doesn't mean you become a buddy with them and give them their way. You'll create spoiled little munchkins. <laughs> yeah, generous with your time. Being generous to them will create a level of thankfulness from your babies. And then being generous of time in your ministry. And here's what God says about this stuff. If you will be generous in that way and put those things first, God says, I'll redeem your time. Redeem your time. What does it mean to redeem your time? 
What does it mean? It, redemption is a price paid for a purpose. When God redeemed you, he bought you back. A price was paid so that you could come back into the family. When time is redeemed, a price is paid for a greater level, not more 24 hours, but more of a fullness of life. If we're ever going to do this thing that God has called us to do, we've got to keep those things in line. Now, as a pastor, one of my great motivators is to see what God can do with this congregation. But here's what I know. You can't, it's not okay to spend more time here if things is falling apart between you and God and you and your spouse. But if you'll keep those things in line when you're able to serve in ministry here, there is such an anointing that rests on your life for the purpose of ministry. God says, I want to construct something here, but I can only construct it through generous people. People who will give me their time. People who will say, God, you gave me my life. I'm going to steward it by giving back to you what you've called and purposed for me to do. And again, I am so thankful if you don't think ministry costs your time, costs you time, you, if you think you can just do it at convenient moments, you've got the wrong idea of ministry. But if, you'll be, if you have a generous heart with the way that you do ministry and you say, Lord, here's, here's time. I know I could be doing something else. And there are times when I, there's things that I feel like I would rather be doing but when I posture my heart right before the Lord, then the Lord helps me to understand. I want to be giving this to you a quick story. When I first was born again, I, I've always loved the outdoors. I mean, I've gotten into almost everything outdoors. I love the outdoors. When I first was saved, one of the things that I would do with a lot of my spare time is I would bass fish tournaments. My wife had to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with me one time over bass fishing. Every day I would come home from work, I would run straight in, change clothes, hook to my boat, and off to the lake. Pre-Jesus, okay, pre-Jesus. She finally had to say, this is either me and this baby, or it's fishing, you need to choose. Ooh, yeah, I had a... She, it wasn't really like, like she really confronted me, man. And, uh, and she said, I'm not asking you to quit. I'm just asking for more time. You need to help me take care of this kid. I was terrible. I was terrible. Now, Taylor don't remember this because she wasn't even one yet. Thank God the Lord saved me within her first year of life. Thank God. Thank God. But, but here's the truth. I gave my time to that. I got good at it. I should have if I give it that much time. I got, but, but what I'm trying to tell you is that I had to invest my time differently, in a different way. I needed to make sure that I was investing it the right way. So here's the truth, friend. We, we all the time, and I'm not going to give you all these statistics because you got to go. It says, here's some of the things. We often invest our time in entertainment, our brand. How did we get to be a brand? Like, now it's, you, you're, because social media, now you propagate your brand. You are a brand. 
And people are getting caught up in their brand. And so they propagate their brand, whether it's their style, whether it's the way they do their makeup, whether it's the way they do things. It's, that's their brand. That's their thing. And they're promoting that. And you may get followers on social media, but you don't create a heart of thankfulness before God. Your entertainment, your brand, your social media, your status on social media, all of those things are not important. Not like walking with God. And I'm telling you, if we're going to do this thing well, you've got to be willing to say, man, I'm going to give time for the glory of the Lord. You need, you, you need to do this for yourself. If you don't do this for yourself, unfortunately, you'll get very religious and pay your little religious bill, but not experience the goodness of a living God. You'll feel good that you went to church, but what good is it if you go to church and not encounter the living God? Like if I wasn't encountering God, I could be in a tree stand this morning. Because I still have a bow tag. You understand what I'm saying? Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Three primary ways of generosity. With your time, second with your talent. The parable of the talents in Matthew 24 is more than about money. It's about proper stewardship of everything that God has given you. One has been given five. There's different people with a lot of different abilities. There are the, the, the one has five, the one has three, the one has one. But here's the truth. Two use them and bring back a return. That means they had to pay attention to them so that they could bring back that return. But there was one who found an excuse not to avail that for the glory of the master. It is in that story that Jesus says that he was a wicked servant. Now he tries to justify it by saying, I knew that you wanted a return, so I made sure that I didn't lose this one. Instead of saying, I want to use this one that I might gain more. I want to use this one that I might gain more. So you need to be generous with your talents. It should not be that the, the culture gets the best creativity. It shouldn't be that the culture gets the best preparation. It shouldn't be that the culture gets the best of stuff. Listen, one of the things that always bothered me as a pastor is that, listen, when people, people wanting to donate stuff from the, to the church, and I, it never bothered me if it was good stuff, but I found out that sometimes people want to buy themselves the new and give you the raggedy one. They want to buy themselves the new one and say, here's the raggedy one. Find somebody else less fortunate. And I'm thinking, because they think, give it to the church. Give it to the church. Because somehow we've disassociated God and church. So if it's our best tithe, we say, I want to give this to God. If it's our leftover junk, I want to donate this to the church. So therefore, we don't feel like we got to give God our best, except for on the areas that we approve of our best. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this beautiful house this morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and listen, again, I'm not saying that there's things that are not valued by other people, but listen, make sure that your mind is not in, the, in a wrong place 
when you're dealing with stewardship or when you're dealing with making sure that you're generous. Be generous to the things of God. Be generous and avail your talents. And here's the third thing, your treasures. Be generous in your treasures. Here's the truth. We're trying our best to find the building that we can be in that we don't lease this space. This space has worked well for us for a while. This space is $60,000 a year. $5,000 a month to lease this space. We want a place where we can build a campus. But I know what we all pray. God, send me a million dollars and let it drop out of the sky. And man, there's been times that I've been right on my edge because you don't know how many times people have said to me, hey, I want to donate a million dollars to your ministry. So I said, I want to do it. One, one person had me at a lawyer's office that said that they were going to uh, that the, the estate that they had, that it was going to go to Covenant Fellowship Church and to the daughter, and we both were there. A couple of million dollars. Is this it? Is this it? It wasn't it. We all want it to happen that way. But I'm going to tell you how it's most likely going to happen. Faithful people who are generous. Faithful people who are generous. I got a pastor that I went to Israel with. Pastors, a very large church. Three billionaires go to his church. Three billionaires. He's got a congregation of about 10,000 people. And we were talking on this journey, on this trip. Here's what he said to me. He said, the three billionaires barely give anything at my church. My church is built off of the backs and the heart of those who have become generous with the little bit they have. I got a lot of widow's mites. And those billionaires will have to stand before God. But I'm not going to be grudging and I'm not going to be mad. We're just moving forward with those who want to be generous. I thought that was a powerful statement. What God is doing... Is trying to get something through you. Remember the copper wire. Tithes, offerings, and seed, all of those are things that are necessary to get to, hum- get to what God's trying to do in the earth. So we need to stop robbing God, stop, uh, uh, stop eating our seed, and be generous. Did you know 80% of the people that give right now in the post-COVID world, I just read this at a, on a website. I'll give you the website if you want it afterwards. In a, in a post-COVID time, in t- first 2021, 80% of the people who give in evangelical churches give 2% of their income. Is that what the Bible teaches? What does the Bible teach? 10%. And that's just the tithe. Pentecostal, here's some good news though. Pentecostals and charismatic churches typically give more than that. Woo, praise God, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Listen to this. One of the top 25, or of the top 25 fastest growing churches in America, you know what the average monthly gift for, per giving unit or family is? $1,575. Wow. They take out those that are the top top givers out of there and says the average giver gives to their church in a year's time $10,773 of those that give um, during this particular time. I thought, I thought that was pretty amazing. 
say, oh, God, make us all that. You know, I pray. I do pray this. We're going to take an offering here in a little bit as you go out the door. But I always pray that God would give you raises you did not expect, promotions you did not know were available. If you need a job, God, for you to provide for you a job, not just any job, but the very best jobs that are available, that the devourer, according to the Scripture, would be rebuked for your sake because I believe you to be a generous people that are not here to just see how much money you can get, but you're here to get the gospel out. Here's another statistic, and I need you to know this. In-person givers, online family, I need you to hear me. Although you may in here may give through your online means and text giving, in-person givers give 357% more than online givers. How many know it still matters if you come to church? You Listen, I know why God's going to bless you today, because you were generous with your time. You've already given us two hours and 13 minutes here, or given God, I should say, two hours. And th- some of you that got here early this morning that started the worship team that started at 8 or so, you done been here a long time. No wonder you're blessed. No wonder the glory comes like it does. No wonder the power of God showing up like it does because of generosity. And you know what? We're all thankful. Aren't you thankful for the team that came in early this morning that bled you in the presence of God? Isn't that amazing? I'm thankful to go to the church. Go to a church where the glory of God manifests. I'm thankful. Why? Because somebody was generous. Somebody got up early this morning and said, we got to get to practice. We got to get there and get together. We got to make sure that we're doing this in unity. We got to have the heart of God in this thing. And God says, I'll bless that right there. I can build something with that. Woo. Yeah, I can build an atmosphere where people experience my presence. I can build a church with that. I can build my church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Though the enemy attacks, he has to flee. Though he comes in one way, he has to flee seven ways. I want you to stand with me. I want to give you a couple of principles that you need to learn to live by. Actually, one principle, but applied two ways. Don't ever drink from a well that you're not willing to replenish. Don't, eat, don't ever eat from a barn that you're not willing to replenish. It'll dry up eventually. I said it'll dry up eventually. And if it, I'm not talking about if you stop giving, if you start that this church will die. No, to give up, you will. Yes, it will. yes, you will. You stop giving of your time, talent, and treasure in the things of God, you'll die. I know you will. You'll starve to death. You'll, you'll, you'll be so thirsty you can't even, you can't get filled with drink. Beautiful thing about how things work in the kingdom. You know, in this world, the more you, the, 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 the like, in this world, the more you work, the more you do that, the more depleted you get. And you get hungry. And you get hungry. You know how you get filled up in the kingdom? You serve. And here's what I know about the kingdom of God. The more you invest in that, the greater that grows. I want to give you a couple more things. You're in a blessed house. Let me say that one more time. (laughs) You're in a blessed house. Right now, you're in a blessed house. You're in a blessed house. 
God is doing some amazing things. This year, this year, this house will probably break a giving record. And abundance is coming. Because our prayers of promotion raises better jobs and increase, God is honoring. So when the devil thinks that in the midst of whatever happens in the world, be it a pandemic or economic downturn, I tell you there's a place where God blesses. It's called the place where people are generous. God is abundantly generous. Bow your heads with me. God is abundantly generous. He gave his own son. He didn't give an angel. He didn't give a cherub. He didn't give a seraphim. He he didn't give in that regard. He gave his own son. He gave his child. God gave his son. Heaven was really generous to you. Can we be generous back to God? What is God really after? He's after you. What can you give God that is of higher value than you can give him, than he gave you? Absolutely nothing except he's after one thing. You. He's after you. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60 verse 1, we hope you arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you.